And he says in John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. That I am is a very clear reference to the I am of the Old Testament. And if you remember how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, he called himself the I am. And in the very same verse in Exodus chapter 3, he refers himself as Jehovah. Thank you for joining with us. This is Ian Gollerher, and I trust that today the Lord will draw near, help, and bless. Now, we've begun this week and for this month of March, a new series on the cults. We'll be looking at Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, Christian Science, the Baha'i Faith, Sikhism, and a number of other religions. And I hope that you will join with us day by day at these times as we look into the issues of various false religions. Now, I have to use the word false because I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I believe texts such as John 14, verse 6, which says, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The, the, the Christian gospel is exclusive. There is one way to the Father. There is one mediator between God and men. And that's the gospel. That's why missionaries went into these other countries and nations of the world to take the message of Christianity, because other religions are not alternate ways to heaven. The only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, in grace and in love and in desire for the souls of men that they might be saved, preach the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way of eternal life. In fact, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus himself did in the face of Judaism and all those errors that he faced. He uh, educated, he instructed people that he came to be the Savior and the Redeemer. And so today we begin this series, and I trust that you'll be in prayer for us and that the Lord will help strengthen and bless us in this. Jehovah's Witnesses, I think you may know a little of the history. You may meet them around the doors. They're a very active group, and uh, we need to have an answer for them. We need to be able to tell them the way of eternal life. Firstly, just let's still our hearts with this hymn, Jesus, the very thought of thee. Let this prepare us for the message today. i 
Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and it is my joy to be on the air to bring you the message of the gospel today. Now, we're looking at this whole series in the cults this month, and we're looking today at the Jehovah's Witnesses. Earlier there, we had a little excerpt from my sermon on the I am of the Lord Jesus, and that I am is the eternal God. And that's the very point that the Lord Jesus was making out there in John's gospel. Now, this, of course, is denied by the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they have written a whole new translation just to get around the very statement of John 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So they have brought out a new translation saying that he is a God, small g. Now, there lies the whole battle for the deity the divinity, and the godhood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to learn uh, the errors of Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going to look at the history. We're going to look at the founder. We're going to look at some of the doctrines. And I hope that you will stay tuned with us right through the program today as we look at this very important issue that really uh, is a gospel issue and therefore affects the eternal welfare of all involved in this cult. So I trust you'll join with us, pray for us, and grant that you will listen through here today, that as we speak the word, that the Lord will minister to every one of our hearts. And let us do this prayerfully, not out of any spite or any bitterness, but out of love for those caught up in the cults, those that need the grace of our Lord Jesus who need to be saved and brought to the simplicity of the gospel. So we enter into this prayerfully, that the Lord in his great loving kindness and grace may lead men and women into the truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ by which they will be saved. Tonight we're coming to what I have called the most furious the most busy of the cults. In 1942, there were approximately 100,000 Jehovah's Witnesses in all the world. It is estimated that now there are over 9 million. Just think of the phenomenal growth, the resources, 
that they have now accumulated and the uh, ability they have to march on in establishing their organization and their faith. Now, there's a lot of things that could be said about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but I want to cut to the chase. And my approach will be this. If we can prove from the Bible that the Lord Jesus Christ is Jehovah, or that the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament, then the gig is over for Jehovah's Witnesses. And that can be very quickly done. Let me turn you to one chief text, John chapter 8 and the verse 58. John 8 and verse 58. And here the Lord Jesus himself is speaking, and he is speaking to a number of Jews. And he says in John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. That I am is a very clear reference to the I am of the Old Testament. And if you remember how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, he called himself the I am. And in the very same verse in Exodus chapter 3, he refers himself as Jehovah. And so here is the Lord Jesus, and people are asking him, who are you? And he says, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, did they get the message? Did they put two and two together? Did they think that our Lord Jesus was really telling them that he was God? Well, look at verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. Oh, they knew very well. And they considered him to be speaking blasphemy, which if he were an ordinary man would be true. But the reality is that he was God, and he was speaking the truth, the truth that they were not ready for. And I think we have to say the same about the JWs, that they would be with stone in hand as well if our Lord Jesus were here and he were speaking the very same words. Now, I read with you tonight Isaiah chapter 45. It is a chapter that is especially helpful. It tells us much about the nature of God, that the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the statement in verse 5. We tonight, as Bible Christians, are monotheists. That means we believe in one God. We do not believe there are three gods. We believe that there is one Godhead, and in the essence, nature of the Godhead, there are three persons. Now, when you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, invariably, the discussion must come to the Trinity. And it's always very interesting to ask a Jehovah's Witness, will you tell me what you think we are saying or meaning by the Trinity? And by and large, they will quote from liberals or encyclopedias of secular background, which are really pagan ideas of God. 
They don't come to the biblical idea of God. They will quote what the heathen, the ungodly, have said about the issue of three persons in one. Now, of course, they will say that it is mathematically absurd that you have one plus one plus one, and yet you still have one. And they will try to poke fun and work their way out of the true meaning of the Trinity. What they miss is that when we refer to three persons in the Trinity, we are referring to one substance, three persons. Now, they may then be told that the Trinity is not a thing. It is not something that is man-made, and rather it is a formulation, because as we explained in other times, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It is a formula that has been put together of six separate doctrines from the Bible. And I want to give you those. And I want to rehearse just what the JWs say about each of these. Firstly, the Father is Jehovah. A watchtower, Jehovah's Witness, will agree with that. So we can find some agreement with them at least. The Father is Jehovah. Secondly, we believe that the Son is Jehovah. But the JWs don't agree with that. Thirdly, we believe that the Holy Spirit is Jehovah. But the JWs will reject that because they believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person. He is a force, just like the wind is a force. But he is not a person. And so together with these three simple statements, we believe in the unity of the Godhead. The Father is Jehovah, the Son is Jehovah, the Holy Spirit is Jehovah. But there are three more that we add to this. We believe that the Father is not the Son. Now, Jehovah's Witness will agree with that. The Father is not the Son. They are separate persons. They commune to one another. The Son prays to the Father. The Father speaks and commands His Son. The other one is that the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They again are separate persons. And a JW will agree with that, that the Son and the Spirit are separate. The sixth one is the Father is not the Spirit. They are separate. And the JW will agree with that. So here we have six Bible doctrines and we have Four out of the six JWs will agree with. We only now have to work on the other two. And together, these very points is that there is one deity of Jehovah. And together, we have these essential features of the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I mentioned that JWs will agree with four of these that the Father is Jehovah, that the Father is not the Son, not the Spirit, and the Son is not the Spirit. Now, Jehovah's Witness may well be shocked 
to realize that they agree with four points out of six with a Trinitarian. Because remember, all they have is the pagan, the secular view of the nature of God. So what are we left to do? Prove that the Holy Spirit is Jehovah. Let's do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 is a very good passage to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you ever check up a JW's Bible, which will be a New World Translation, they will have the word Jehovah right in there. And in their own very translation, they have a cross-reference that Jehovah is the Spirit. And here you'll notice certainly in our authorized version, you have every reason to teach and understand that the Spirit here is not just a force, it's not just the wind, but the Lord is that Spirit. He's a person. He's a person. He has all the character of lordship and deity. Now, the next argument then is that Jesus is Jehovah. Well, we're going to go back to Isaiah 45, because Isaiah 45 is full of references to show us that the Lord Jesus is Jehovah. So we now have five out of six. We now have five points where we can seek to convince a JW that the Trinity is a biblical doctrine. We have now the sixth one to prove that Jesus is Jehovah. Now Isaiah 45 verse 17, you'll notice it says, but Israel shall be saved in the Lord. Now, in your authorized version, you will have L-O-R-D in uppercase letters. That means in the Hebrew, it is Jehovah. Israel shall be saved in Jehovah with an everlasting salvation. So you will see here that salvation is attributed to Jehovah. In verse 21 of the same passage, you have again the word Lord, L-O-R-D, uppercase letters, Jehovah. And there is no God else beside me, a just God, and a Savior. Now, I'm getting, I'm getting there. We've got salvation, a Savior, and he's being predicted. He's a future Savior. And then when you look at verse 23, this same person, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth, in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow. Now write Philippians 2, verse 11 in there. When Paul the Apostle was writing Philippians 2, he quoted directly out of this very chapter in this text. And to the Lord Jesus, the one who died on the cross, rose again from the dead, to him is given the name above every name, and to him every tongue shall swear, every knee shall bow. Now we're not finished. Verse 24, it describes the work of this Savior. 
And it says in verse 24, Surely shall one say in the Lord, Jehovah, have I righteousness and strength. Now, when Paul was writing the book of Romans and teaching on the whole subject of the gospel righteousness, who is it that provides that righteousness? It's our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. He gives salvation. He's the Savior. To him we bow the knee. He is Jehovah, our righteousness. Do you want to know a Hebrew word for that? Jehovah said, can you? The Lord our righteousness. And the very righteousness that saves you, that makes you meet for heaven, that clothes you and makes you ready for glory, is the righteousness of Jehovah. Or we could say it this way, the righteousness of Jehovah Jesus. It is quite accurate to give that full title to the Lord Jesus. Now, in verse 25, not only is he the one who provides righteousness, but he's the one who justifies. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified. Now, can I take you to Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, just to show you what the apostle does with this? And he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So here is this person. He is the one who gives salvation. He's called Savior. We bow the knee to him. He's given a name above all other names. He is the one who gives righteousness. And he is the one who provides justification. He justifies by his redemption. And of course, that leads you to Calvary, to the cross, to the blood that he shed and the price that he paid that he might save you and me from our sins. What a tragedy that men would say that this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not Jehovah, is not God in the flesh. What a tragedy. What a a, a, a lie, what a hindrance to the spread of the gospel around the world. And there are nine million Jehovah's Witnesses propagating this false doctrine, a doctrine of destruction. Now, we could say from this, the gig's over. We have proven the point that the Lord Jesus is the Savior of the New Testament. But, that's not exactly how it all happened. Jehovah's Witnesses was commenced by a man called Charles Tease Russell. He was the founder of the JWs, but they did not get that name until 1931. He started 1870. And so for 61 years, these people were known as Russellites followers of Charles Tease Russell. He, born in Pennsylvania, commenced his ministry there and began the, the Watchtower organization propagating this message of Russellism. But he was hit with three scandals. The first scandal 
was what was called the Miracle Wheat Scandal. And he was a man that was getting very rich, and he had a number of organizations, and the money was flowing to him. And the newspaper, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle newspaper, they put out a report of Charles Russell selling so-called miracle wheat for $1 per pound. Thank you for joining with us here as we have spoken on the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is the battle for the truth and for the gospel. The gospel is that Christ saves by grace alone, that it is not a process, but that redemption has been accomplished at Calvary. We are justified by faith alone. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in Romans 5, verse 1. The cults and the Jehovah's Witnesses tell us that we need to go through a process, a process of joining their organization, being baptized with them, and going through the rites and ceremonies of the Jehovah's Witnesses' theories. I call them theories because, in reality, it is not biblical doctrine. Number one, they have rewritten the Bible. They have now the New World Translation, which suits their own ideology. They call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, but in reality, they deny the deity of Jesus Christ, who is the Jehovah of the New Testament. When you read of the word Lord, L-O-R-D, capital letters in the Old Testament, that is Jehovah, and our Lord Jesus is Jehovah. He has all the attributes of divinity and deity. He is omnipotent. Now, the great issue for the evangelical Christian and for the Christian church today is the doctrines of the gospel. What is it that makes a true church? Martin Luther said that the standing and falling of a church is the doctrine of justification by faith. Any group of people that denies that doctrine, that covers it over or neglects it, is not the true church of Jesus Christ. A peace settled by the blood of Christ at the cross, accepted by faith alone, makes us born-again Christians. And so, I do invite you to join with us each day here as we look into these cults, and tomorrow we'll be continuing with part two of this message, and so I trust that you'll stay tuned and join with us then. Now, if you would like uh, further help, you can go to our website for information. You can go to our website, or you can give us a call. The announcements are coming up now, giving all these details. May the Lord bless you richly through his word today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.